please open up your Bibles with me and join me in Genesis chapter 22, the first book of the Bible, the 22nd chapter. You should be able to find a hardcover Bible in the pew or the seat back in front of you if you don't happen to have one of your own. I also like to say this occasionally, if you're, if you're here visiting today and, and you, maybe you don't have a, have a Bible at all, whether at church with you here or at home, uh, please take one of those with you. That's our gift to you. We would love for you to be able to have a copy of God's Word in your hand and in your home uh, to study for yourselves. And if you are visiting today, we also want to encourage you that um, we have in front of you a connection card. You should be able to find, and it just gives some information, or gives a spot to fill out some information about yourself. And if you're willing to do that and turn it in in the, in the box, we just, we have a gift we'd like to get to you, and we'd like to stay in touch and be able to answer any questions you might have about Brown Corners Church and uh, what, everything that went on here today. Uh, we just want to, want you to know that you're welcomed here, and we want to make sure that we can uh, help you in any way we possibly can. The book of Genesis, chapter 22 is a profoundly moving story. It's a gut-wrenching story. It's a story that takes you through emotional highs and lows. It's a story about, among other things, the unshakable faith of one of God's faithful servants. We'll read it here in sections. But it begins this way. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Has God ever asked you to do anything impossible? Has God ever called you and said, this is what I want from you? And your first thought was, no way. Are you kidding me, God? Are you serious? Why don't you ask me to do this or or that or, or go over here? But not this, God. If ever there was a person who experienced such a thing, it was this man, Abraham. Many of you know the story. God had called Abraham, who at the time was simply Abram, and his family out of the nation, the land of Ur. And he says, I want you to take your family and I'll show you where we're going here. And he followed God and he listened to God. And God made a promise to him and said that you will be the father of a great nation. Well, the problem was is that Abraham and his wife were super-duper old when God told them that, and they didn't have any kids. When Abraham 
was 99 years old, God appeared to him again and changed his name from Abram, which meant father of many, to Abraham, which meant father of a great multitude. And though it seems foolish from a human point of view for Abraham to have trusted God, he was now long past the age of which he could engender children, and Sarah was past the age of conceiving and bearing them. Abraham chose to believe God, to trust him. And he did receive the promised son. His name was Isaac, and he was born to Abraham when Abraham was 100 years old. And now, the son, the son of the promise, his treasured child, was being asked of him. The one who was a gift of God Now God is calling him to go to this mountain and sacrifice him? In our lives, God will, I promise you, ask you to do things that are impossible. There's a verse that I hear quoted often It's not in the Bible, but I hear it quoted often nonetheless. And it goes something like this. Doesn't the Bible say God won't give me more than I can handle? You may have heard it. You may have even said it yourself. I want you to know that I have combed the pages of Scripture and such a verse does not exist. Which means that sometimes... God is going to give you and I more than we can handle. And I want you to know that that's one of the points of the Bible. I can't, but God can. The Apostle Paul was writing in the New Testament, many, many years removed from the story of Abraham. In the book of 2 Corinthians, he was explaining the sufferings that he was going through. And he explained to the Corinthians, listen, I've discovered that when I am weak, he is strong. I've discovered when I am unable, then God is able to work and he gets all the glory because no one's looking at the Apostle Paul saying, wow, you're pretty amazing. There are times in our lives when God will ask us to do or to trust him for the impossible. Times when he calls us to have unshakable faith. We're told in Genesis chapter 22, the very first phrase says, after these things, God tested Abraham. And one of the first things that I want you to note this morning is it's important to receive God's testing. It tells us in this text that God is testing Abraham, but there's there's no like newspaper headlines for Abraham that this is what's going on. God does not text him or, or, or send him an email and say, I just want you to know that about a week from now, you are going to be tested. How many of you know that's how trials work? We don't get advanced knowledge. We're not, we're not prepped 
There's not a debriefing time before they happen. They just, they just happen. We're told here that this is what's going on. That God wanted to test Abraham. It's so important that we remember that when God comes to us with trials, that we are willing to receive his testing. He wanted to, the, the word here used, it means to, to try something, to, to, to refine it, to test it out. I remember when we were kids, we had a small drainage creek that ran along my parents' property border. And at times, in the spring especially, uh, it, would be, it would be pretty full. And, uh, you know, at least waist deep. And with the muck, it would be like neck deep stuff. And inevitably, we would build forts down there. We'd go play and, and, and we would try to build bridges across this thing. And no matter how well constructed the bridge appeared to be, there was always a guinea pig. Hey, you try it out. Now, we knew, we all knew how to swim, and we knew the water wasn't that deep, but that muck is what scared us. We didn't know what was down there, you know, and a foot or two of just slime and ooze, and I mean, it was, you know, field runoff and stuff, so (laughs) busy farm next to us. And so, you know, we would usually go for the youngest brother, the most gullible one, and we'd try to tap him for it. And, and then we would, like, barter and, and things. Well, if you go, then I'll do this for you. I'll do your dishes tonight or whatever. There's always somebody who had to test that, that bridge. And you get out there, and you're still keeping one foot on the shore, but eventually you had to put all your weight on that thing. God here is testing Abraham, and there was no opportunity for Abraham to keep one foot on the shore. He was calling Abraham to be all in, to fully trust him, to fully rely upon him. He was asking something impossible. We could argue that it was unfair, but God's God. He gets to do what he wants. He's the one that gave him that child. Here's a couple of things to remember when God asks us to do the impossible. First of all, remember that God is never going to tempt you to sin. The Bible teaches us that our God, in God is no sin. He has never sinned, never done anything wrong, and neither does he tempt us to do wrong. He may try our faith, but he does not tempt us to sin. We may choose to sin in the midst of the trial, but that's not God tempting us to do wrong. Secondly, we need to remember that God is never out to crush. He is always out to refine This is so important to remember that God is never out to crush. He's always out to refine because it's tempting to get confused about that when you're in the middle of it. And you feel and you think that maybe, maybe God's not as loving as you originally thought he was. That maybe he's just kind of this sinister, you know, being up in, in heaven trying to torment and torture you. God's goal is always to test and refine our faith, never to crush. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 20, Moses was speaking to the, the people years, years after this story of Abraham. And he says, Do not fear, 
For God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. God always has purpose in his testing. God always has goals to see us, as that verse says, to fear him and to sin less. You may be able to summarize God's goals in trials in in those two ways. He wants us to fear him, and he wants us to sin less. John Bloom has written, The crucial thing for us to remember is that all God does for us as his children is for our good. He is blessed both in the giving and in the taking away, because both are for the sake of our joy. Often it is in the taking away that our true love and trust are revealed, which is a great mercy to us and usually for others. And often in this age, the most valuable, the most satisfying, the most beneficial, longest lasting gifts we receive and pass along to others end up coming through the experiences of our losses. Did you hear that last phrase? The most valuable, the most satisfying, the most beneficial, the most longest, the longest lasting gifts we receive and pass along to others end up coming through the experiences of our losses. There's not one of us who signs up for loss and tragedy. There's not one of us who's at the front of the line for pain and difficulty and hurt. But more often than not, it's through those experiences that we are most, become most like Jesus and offer the most to other people who are suffering. Let me ask you this. When you're going through a difficult time, do you want to talk to somebody who has it all together, who's never had a problem, never had a hurt, has more money than they know what to do with? Or do you want to talk to someone who's walked through that same valley you're in and has emerged closer to their Savior. None of us want to sign up for these trials. None of us want to be asked the impossible by God. But deep down, we know and Scripture attests that it's in those moments that the Savior's presence is felt most closely. I want to ask you this morning, are you willing to trust God in your testing? Maybe right now, some of you are hearing this message, and God's speaking to you because you are in the middle of something, maybe the hardest thing in your life. Are you willing to trust God? Are you willing to count on and depend on his promises? Our faith, Warren Wearsby says, is not really tested until God asks us to bear what seems unbearable, to do what seems unreasonable, and expect what seems impossible. As you read the story, though, I'm just I'm impressed with Abraham's obedience. Verse 3 says, So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, 
and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. Now, it doesn't give us a a picture of Abraham's inner thoughts. We don't know what he was wrestling with. But you better believe that this was no simple task for Abraham. It's not like the the compliant child who's asked to do a chore at home and jumps up and says, sure, Mom, sure, Dad. And you wonder what alien has invaded them. I, I really don't think that Abraham is like, all right, sounds good. I didn't have any plans for the next few days anyways. Come on, Isaac. It tells us he arose in the morning. It doesn't tell us that he didn't get another wink of sleep that night. It doesn't tell us his conversation with God. Now, I am impressed with Abraham's obedience, but mark my words, he wrestled with this. As any human being would, there had to be a struggle that went on internally. But he chose to obey in faith. And so... Tells us in the middle of the way through verse 3, he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told them. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I will get the boy. I'll go over there and worship and come again, with, come again to you. Did you hear what he said in verse 5? He says, we're going to go worship. I want to ask you this morning, when God asks you to do difficult things, are you able to worship when you're in the wilderness? When, when, you, when you're looking around and you, you, you're lost, you don't know what's going on, you're having that wilderness experience, are you able to worship despite your circumstances? Despite everything seeming to crash in around you, are you able to go to God and glorify Him? I know what, what I do when I'm in the desert. I'm uber good at whining, complaining, trying to wiggle out of whatever trial I'm in. Those are my natural tendencies. Come on, God, this isn't fair. What are you asking this of me for? Go pick on somebody else. I know lots of people who need lots of spiritual growth. Come on, work in their life. I don't deserve this. And on and on and on it can go. And all the while, we're missing a chance to worship, to draw near to God, to come before him and say, God, I don't understand this thing that you've asked of me. I don't understand why she got cancer. I don't understand why the doctors can't figure out his health problems. I don't understand why I can't seem to find a job here. I don't understand why day in and day out, this sin, this struggle just seems to beat me up everywhere I look. But God, I'm coming before you and I want you to know that I trust you in the midst of this. I trust you while I'm wandering around here in the wilderness trying to find my way. You see, Abraham, they had a three-day journey. 
And I think one of the things that he probably did on those agonizing 72 hours was to rehearse the promises of God. You see, God had told him that he was going to be the father of a great nation. And he had said, this is the son through whom that nation is going to come. So therefore, one way or another, you are going to raise up a nation. You are going to keep your promises. That may be the most important thing that you and I need to remember when they're in the, we're in the midst of the wilderness, is that we have a God who keeps his promises. And therefore, today, or tomorrow, or next week, when, when you're in the midst of that wilderness time, there's going to be some promises that you need to remember. I don't know what they are. The scripture is full of them. From Genesis to Revelation, you've been promised all kinds of things. And you are going to have to cling to that, dig your nails into that promise, and say, God, I don't understand what I'm going through. I don't understand what you've asked of me. But I have this. I have this promise. And I know you're not a liar. I know you keep your promises, so I'm going to cling to this promise Even though I don't understand all this other stuff around me, I've got this right here. Maybe it's a promise like, my God will supply all your need. Maybe that's the promise that you're going to cling to. Or maybe it's a a Romans 8.28 that God is working this out for your good. And, and And you think, God, I don't see that. I don't see how there's any good that can come out of this whatsoever. I just see anger and bitterness and frustration. That's all I see right now. But you tell me right here that you are working good through this thing. I'm going to dig my nails into that promise and trust. Abraham, rather than grumbling, rather than complaining, his choice was to worship, to trust his God and worship. That's the same thing that he asks of you and I. Next, we see that he had an unshakable faith. Verse 6 tells us, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on his son Isaac, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife, and so they they went, both of them, together. These verses are heart-wrenching to read if you can imagine the situation in your head. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so they went, both of them, together. You 
In the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 4, it says, The just shall live by his faith. The Christian life that you and I live is a commentary on that passage. God wants you and I to live day by day by faith in Him. Trusting Him when He speaks, when He commands. Even if we can't see what's in front of us. Abraham trusted God with his son. In fact, and you can just jot this down and look at it later on, but Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, Hebrews eleven seventeen through 19, tell us a little bit of insight into what was going through Abraham's mind at this moment. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it is said, Through Isaac, your offspring shall be named. He considered that God was even able to raise him from the dead, which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. As Abraham walked up that mountain with his son, his confidence in his God was so secure. He didn't know what was about to happen, but he knew this, that God kept his promises. And so even if... He had to put his son to death. In Abraham's mind, he believed that God was going to perform the first ever resurrection from the dead. His faith and confidence in the Lord was just that strong. And I know probably what you're thinking if you were along the lines of what I was thinking this week is I was studying this. I'm no Abraham. I'm no Abraham having a kid at a hundred and setting out and being the father of a... I mean, come on. See, the, 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 the thing that's not different between us and Abraham is, is the object of our faith. We worship the same God. We can trust the exact same God that Abraham had there. Furthermore, we have things that Abraham doesn't have. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit. We're on the other side of the cross. There's all kinds of benefits and blessings that Abraham didn't see. We have the Word of God. But Abraham chose to trust. Every day we have chances to choose to, to trust God or to try to figure it out ourselves. To go at it on our own or to rest in Him. And every day, God promises that he will honor that faith. The passage goes on to say, when they came to the place, verse 9, which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood there and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham reached out his hand and he took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not 
withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. God tested Abraham. Abraham trusted God, and God provided. Today, we have the same confidence that whatever we're trusting God for, he promises to provide. Maybe not in the way that we expect. Maybe it's not going to look like we think it'll look. Abraham obviously thought that he was going to have to kill his son and was trusting God for a resurrection, and God intervened. Rarely does God work the way that we anticipate him working. Number four, I want to remind you to rejoice in the Lamb. Just as Abraham was about ready to strike his son, he looked up, and there was the sacrifice. There may be no more beautiful picture in the Old Testament of a lamb dying in the place of another person than here. See, because many, many years later, probably almost 2,000 years later, another lamb would take our place. A lamb provided by God. Here, the son was spared But in another story, the father did not spare his only son, but gave him up for us all. For the Christian, the lamb is oh so precious. Probably Abraham and Isaac more beautifully represent the father and the son than any other story in the Bible. Their experience is a picture of the father and the son on the cross. cross. In Isaac's miraculous birth, Abraham saw the day of Christ's birth. In Isaac's marriage, he saw the day of Christ's coming for his bride. But on Mount Moriah, When Isaac willingly put himself on the altar, Abraham saw the day of Christ's death and resurrection. Mount Moriah, ironically, where Abraham was with his son Isaac, is the site of Jerusalem many, many years later, where the Son of God would give his life. We have a choice when we go through trials. When God calls upon us to do what seems to be 
impossible. We can go our own way, try to do our own thing, or we can choose to trust even though we can't see what's happening. God desires for us to emerge with deeper and stronger faith. One of the best ways that we can do that is to rejoice in the Lamb, remembering the sufferings of Christ on your behalf as you now too suffer in some way. Finally, the last thing I want to encourage you with is to remember that God is always, always, always up to something bigger. There's always something more going on beneath the surface. In Sunday school classes, we were talking a little bit about some of these things. Someone made the statement that that some of our our suffering may, may not even be for us. It might be for the people watching. I think that's profound. You may be walking through something or have gone through something and you think, I have no idea why God allowed that to happen. I have no idea what the purpose of that was. And all the while, you've got a child watching their mother trust God. You've got a coworker who doesn't believe in Jesus watching you, how you're handling this adversity, how you can experience joy even in the midst of sorrow. And God is working on their hearts. God is always, always, always up to something bigger. He tells us in verse 15, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you've obeyed my voice. Because you've obeyed my voice. Today, God is calling you to trust him. I don't know what for. I could guess at a few things, but maybe it's just something small. But tomorrow, next year, it might be something huge. It might be something earth-shattering. Because you've obeyed my voice. Even when you can't see, even when you don't understand, even even when you're carrying these sticks out in the wilderness and you don't understand where you're going or why you're going there, our God can be trusted. When God asks you to do the impossible, Put your faith in him. Choose to walk by faith and not by sight. And choose to worship him in the wilderness so that you might know him more deeply and love him more thoroughly than you ever have before. Let's pray.
our gracious Heavenly Father. You don't always give us answers. We desperately want them. We desperately want to know why things happen. We desperately want to know where you're going with a certain difficulty in our life. I want to know what you're up to, what you're thinking. But at the end of the day, what you give us is yourself and your promises. Your promises that if we'll trust you, you will glorify yourself and you will work things out for our good. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen the faith of every person in this room so that we might walk by faith and not by sight, so that we might trust you, so that we might have unshakable faith. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.